Hello, this is Kevin Doherty, your host for Just Thinking. I am the Chief Strategy Officer for 806 Technologies, and I have a very special guest today, uh, a friend of mine for several years and someone whom I greatly admire, Alfonso Mendoza, AKA Fonz. Uh, I know many of you probably already know Alfonso because you've been watching his uh, podcast, but I'm gonna let you let him tell a little bit about himself so that those of you who may not yet know him will get to know him. So who are you, Fonz? All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the invite and thank you for having me and everybody. Hi, my name is Alfonso Mendoza. I am the host of the My EdTech Live podcast. I have been in education for 18 years now, uh, but I'm going to be honest with you. Something you may not know is that I never wanted to be an educator. Hmm. I definitely wanted to be go into business. So I have a bachelor's in business and my area of expertise was sales and marketing. Wow. I did that for a couple of years, but uh, then life happens and there was a fork in the road moment. And uh, due to also being an only child in a Hispanic home mm -hmm. and a lot of responsibility lying on me as far as, you know, caring for my parents and all those things, my dad became ill for a little brief period. And I just needed to find a job that gave me a little bit more time. And a friend of mine said, Hey, well, they need math teachers in this specific district. And I called in, got turned into an educator. And I absolutely fell in love with education. <laughs> That's awesome. So just a little thing there that you may not know about. And again, uh, it was very interesting. I'll be honest with you, the things that have made me successful in this industry and, and this sector, the mm -hmm. education sector, have been those marketing skills, personalization, customer service, knowing who it is that my customers are both as a teacher and now as an instructional software specialist working with teachers knowing their needs and wants too as well. So sure. just a little fun fact there. And like I mentioned to the host of the Maya Tech Life podcast that I've been doing for going on four years, April 10th of 2024 will be four years that I've started the podcast and over 250 episodes. We're at about 263 now. Wow. And it has been going great. Been able to interview so many wonderful educators, education practitioners, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, founders of companies, and always wanting to bring some fruitful conversation to our space to continue to grow together and inform everybody within our space and my audience what is going on out there to help us always you know, stay in the know-how and always be ready for what's coming. So you say you you kind of stumbled into teaching and mm -hmm. you started as a math teacher. What what got you involved in technology? Were you already a techie before you uh, moved into that aspect of education or did it find you kind of like education did? Yeah, it actually, it just found me like education did. Believe it or not, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, being the situation at my home, um, you know, just being an only child and, you know, luckily I got a scholarship here to our local university. I did not own my first computer probably till like about 2000, I want to say maybe 2000, man, I think it was maybe like 2012 or wow. something like that when I had my first laptop, uh, honestly, or no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm lying. We can edit that. Cut that. <laughs> I think it was actually 2000, 2005, actually. Right. So we'll say it was 2005 when I fir first got my laptop because up until then, I like there really wasn't a need for me to have a laptop because I was going to the university anyway. So they had computers there 
and so on. But it wasn't until uh, I started having to write papers. And one of my biggest things, Kevin, too, was procrastination. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my motto in college was procrastinate later. <laughs> so there I was in the computer labs, you know, the night before having to turn in a 30 page paper. I would just show up at 7 p.m. and just write all night, be there in the morning because the labs were open 24 hours. And then that's how I started just playing around with tech a little bit more. Um, then obviously got into my uh, my role in business and sales, picking up a little bit more tech. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you, education sector, once I went from high school teacher to elementary teacher, that is really where I gained more of that skill because mm -hmm. I was just taking risks. Yeah. And to me, risk taking was something that was very important for me for my professional and personal growth as an educator is not being afraid to take the little that I knew or that I would find at a conference, bring it to my students, present it to them with that excitement that I learned it and see the potential in it and allow them to just roll with it and yeah. see what they can build. And obviously, I would continue learning from them. And so by the yeah. end of the day, I look like the expert, but I was learning from every single one of my students. And in a way, in me sharing the knowledge I shared that I found from them, yes. they were still learning from each other. So it was just an amazing experience. They, uh, going they're to the elementary. best teachers, aren't they? They absolutely are. They absolutely are. And, and, and I might throw this in. I know that you were a guest on my podcast yes. and those the those words that you mentioned there could not be truer in any situation and even more so now too yeah. for teachers is that it's okay to not know everything yeah. you know and just really trust what you know but allow your students also to guide the learning and yes. like we say you know you just become that learning engineer yes. and just engineer some wonderful experiences love that you know, and, and I love that you noted that the the risk taking was greater with your elementary students than your secondary students. And when I was an elementary teacher, I had a poem that someone gave me that sat on my desk. But the end of it was the man who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing. It's pretty, pretty profound, pretty strong. Yeah. Um, but I, but that sat on my desk for several years of my elementary teaching experience. So I, I, I love that the power of thoughtful risk taking. And uh, it sounds like your students help to, to guide you in your thoughtful mm -hmm. risk taking as an educator. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I want to add to that, that yes. it's very important, especially now with technology, you know, a lot of the times that you know, we're so immersed with it. Obviously, after, uh, you know, lockdown, everybody's got a device. Uh, so many platforms that are out there now, some that basically do the same thing, but in a different way, or they look different and so on. And, uh, you know, with all of those things, I think one of the things that I've learned the most, too, is that as much as I, as an educator, want to share things with my teachers, and I get excited, too, as well, Many times I need to just kind of step back and let them lead the tech. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that they want or need as opposed to what I think they want to need? And so that also reminds me of my time in the classroom, too, as well, because there were times where the lesson didn't go that well because I wanted to use a new tech that maybe the students didn't really eh, care much for. They weren't too engaged or excited. So then you just learn, you know, it's yeah. that business skill, knowing yeah. my customer, yeah. what works for them. And as long as it's working for them, 
I'm good. I'm not going to introduce anything to disrupt anything. And so, you know, a lot of things that I do share now is keeping it simple and streamlined. And I mean that with your technology. I mean that with anything as far as your pedagogy too. keep it simple and streamlined and you can definitely go a long way. I love that. And, and um, you know, you mentioned the learning engineer and the way you were describing working with teachers or adults, you're engineering their learning as well. You were letting mm -hmm. them kind of guide that and you were there sort of facilitating it. So the learning was more intrinsically motivated. It, they weren't doing it because, well, Fon says we're going to do this. So I guess we got to do this. It was, it was coming more from the learner at whatever age, whether they're a third grader or a you know 53 year old teacher, the learning mm -hmm. is coming from the learner themselves. So you, um, interesting, I was doing some math, speaking of uh, mathematics, so you said you started uh, four years ago in April. So you picked a very interesting time to start your podcasts, uh, Fonz. So you started this podcast about a month into the pandemic. Is, is, am yes. I doing my math correctly? Absolutely. There? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe just a little bit after, I think, because I think we what we didn't go back after spring break. So no, yeah, actually about a month. Yeah. So the way that happened is, you know, everything shut down and, Myself being part of a Google educators group, yeah. uh, lots of Google educators from around the world. And I'm talking about from the UK, from Australia, here in the US and Mexico, Latin America and so on. So as a group and as a collective, what we started doing is we started sharing our knowledge, what we knew, what we would use in our districts and so on. Mm -hmm. And we started doing live streams and offering just free services, free streams. You know, one day, you know, we were doing uh, Cami, Google stuff. We were doing Screencastify. We were doing Edpuzzle. A any platform that's out there, you name it, we were sharing that knowledge. And the fact that I'm bilingual, too, really helped as yes. well because I was able to help support our Latin American communities and uh, our Spanish speaking communities. So that is how I got involved with the streaming. And so the idea was, hey, we're doing this kind of like at a global level, but now I want to do something maybe similar at a regional or here, at least in my area kind of level in the South Texas mm -hmm. level. But what I started finding out is I, I started thinking, I said, look, there, there's already great groups that are doing this. There's already uh, just so much information. So slowly, really, my podcast kind of started turning into sort of like a talk show kind of way sure. instead of really yeah. talking on tech and focusing on what you're doing and what your strategies and what apps are you using was more like, how are you doing? How have you been? Nice. How are the, you know, how are you overcoming these things? You know, and then all of a sudden it would take a turn into talking about mental health. We mm. were talking about certain things. So for a while, even though the show was called My Ed Tech Life, yeah. you know, we were talking a little bit about tech, but it was more of, I want to know the person, what's going on, what's happening. And then from then on, now after pandemic you know now we're we're hitting uh you know the show the way we normally would bringing companies practitioners educators that are at the forefront of education technology and just sharing their stories yeah. because we are we all learn from stories at least that's yes. the way that i learn so i want to make sure that we're able to amplify voices share stories and put that out there for the world to listen to and that way they can take a little knowledge nugget and sprinkle it onto what they are already doing great and continue to grow from there i love it i'm i'm grabbing that one knowledge nugget that's cool hey 
Um, you know, I'm thinking about as you're sharing that about people's stories and getting to know who they are, not so much what they do or how they do it, but who are the individuals reminds me of when I was studying to be a principal and I took my first administrative course at the university and I was failing it. And I'd never failed a course before. I might have not done so well, but I never failed a course. And I remember stalking the professor out to the parking lot, tracking him down and saying, um, Dr. Anderson, I, I've never failed before. I, I don't know what I need to do differently. He said, Kevin, it's really simple. Administration comes from the root word minister. What I want you to do is go to the library, find a book, read it. I don't care who it's about and look at how they minister as a leader to others. And the light switch flipped on. And from that point forward, that was the lens through which I looked at administration and leadership. It's not so much about what you do. It's not so much about what you say, but it's very much about who you are and how you minister to others. And so as you're sharing the, your focus on the who and the, the personal stories, it reminds me of that, that, that they use that story in essence to serve others, to minister to them. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is so well-spoken. I mean, as you and I, we have that in common. You know, we are brothers in faith, uh, mm -hmm. you know, brothers in Christ. And for me, that is so important. And, and you know what, I'll be honest with you, I, I never thought about the word, again, breaking it down the way that you did, but you're absolutely right. You know, as a servant leader, that's who you, what you're doing. You're serving, you're sharing your ideas. And many times it's not so much that as an administrator, you're leading them and micromanaging, but just really just guiding them. You're engineering their experience for them, walking them through and helping them along the way yes. when they need help. And I, I never thought about that. And that's so profound because it, it makes a world of a difference. I think that even right now, the, the switch is flipping in my mind as far as like, oh, okay. Like I need to see myself in that sense too and making sure that I am ministering the correct message and that I am ministering in the correct way to help my teachers grow and then, of course, that that hopefully will spread to the classrooms and that they can also create the wonderful experience for the students as well. So, man, yeah. that was very deep. I yeah. love that. Well, it, it really resonated with me all these years later um, and throughout my uh, career as, in, as a leader in schools, but also um, in the business realm as well. So um, your podcasts are, are wonderful and they I, I love how you get very personal with folks. Um, and it gets deep, it gets spiritual and, you know, you, you hit on every aspect of people's lives, the, you know, emotional, the physical, the spiritual, all of it. Um, for you personally, what's been the greatest impact of this endeavor? That is a great question. So for me, the biggest impact is honestly, I, I never thought that it was going to get this big and, and. For some people, it just depends. Like you, you can compare me to any other podcast, and they may have more downloads and so on. But just for myself and my experience, I never thought that this was something that was going to take off the way it has. And so it's afforded me opportunities to be able to travel to present at universities. It's allowed me to travel to conferences to present or to do social media events 
for people. Companies saying like, hey, Fonz, we just want you to come and hang out at our booth and do this with us and videotape and do those things. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, th this has been an amazing journey. So it's given me that and allowed me to grow and to learn too. But also it's helped me like come back and, and to my roots of that entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. in that sense. Yes. Not necessarily. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not like making money and dollars are flying everywhere and sponsorships are flying everywhere. Right. But what I'm talking about is just that being able to go out and make connections, be part of a larger network. Yes. And many times what happens is it's the people that, you know, such as yourself that you mm -hmm. and I have known each other for years when you came and demoed, yep. um, you know, product at our district. Yes. And now we're still connected. And yes. every time we run into each other, it's amazing. And to me, it's those lasting friendships that you make with people that are like-minded and then, mm -hmm. so you kind of find your crew and it's great that you can always count on somebody that you can either text message, you can yes. DM, you can reach out and find that support in those times that might be a little bit rough. Yes. And so to me, that has been the biggest takeaway that my network has definitely, I, I know how they say your network is your net worth. I mean, for me, I feel like I am the most or richest person in the world with my network because they've always been there for me. And, you know, anytime that I've needed anything, just advice and things sure. of that sort, they've been able to help. So for me, that has yeah. been the biggest thing, uh, Kevin, is those connections that are not just superficial, but they're intimate in that way where you grow together yes. you know each other and you keep building each other up and that to me is the most important thing well i i know i've enjoyed that kind of friendship with you or just a, a text a note thinking about and then months may pass and then then you know we we pick up the ball and run with it from there and and to that point i know what um the connection with you the friendship has been for me personally what kind of impact do you feel you're having on others through the podcast, through the networking and through the friendships that you're developing or what do you hope yeah. the impact is? Well, for me, number one, the, the hope is always having an open space to mm -hmm. come and be able to share your story. Many times what happens and what I see is there are always some amazing educators that are out there within, you know, all social media, I'll say that. I, I'm not going to just specify one, but among, amongst all social media that are doing some amazing things. And oftentimes they may not get that space to share, or maybe they feel like, well, nobody's noticing because of course you've got the, the usuals that are doing the amazing things. And it, it's a lot of work to get to that level, but sometimes just opening up a door the way people have opened up doors for me mm -hmm. can go a long way. And I can I can name a couple of people that have been on the show that after them being on the show have just definitely taken off. But mm -hmm. that's that's not me. I'm not going to, you know, let them, sure. you know, put their names out there because it was their story. And, and I know it's not because of me either, but it's just maybe just because of the show, somebody listened and they listened to their story. And then from then on, they just picked up and rolled with it. And it's been an amazing experience to see them grow and also the, see a lot of them even start their own podcasts, sure. and have success and do those things. And the fact that I let them know, call me, contact yes. me anytime yes. you need advice, anything. 
that they know that they can count on me to help them out and support them in any which way, shape, or form that I can. It may not be financially, but hey, I can give you an open space. I can promote your stuff. I can do whatever it is you need me to do that I can help you continue to grow because in a way, I mean, that's really, I think that that kind of heart that I have is that heart of service like I do for education, Mm -hmm. but for my friends and my educator friends, it's just really also that heart of service. How can I serve you to help you get to where you want to be, you know, and that to me is the most important. Well, not only are you serving, but you're, you do inspire because, you know, as you mentioned, you asked me to be a guest uh, many episodes ago and, uh, and I don't know that I'd be doing what I'm doing right now if it weren't for that experience and for kind of watching you on your journey and so forth. So it's definitely been a factor and me moving forward. So I have no doubt it's influenced so many people and inspired them as well. So um, I want to bring it back to ed tech uh, um, a little bit too. So, you know, uh, my ed tech life, as you said, was it's the name of the podcast. It was the focus. And then you kind of did a little detour there to focus more on the people and their stories and then have been bringing it back around to ed tech with good reason, because there's a wealth of great technology out there that can enhance the learning experiences of uh, so many of our students. What do you see? Because uh, you've talked to a lot of people and you've been mm-hmm. in this world for a while. What do you see as the greatest challenge or challenges right now for ed tech in our schools, especially in the K-12 realm? Yeah, you know, and that that's a wonderful question because, you know, in the district that I work at, we're a very small district mm-hmm. and we run very lean we're not a district that receives a lot of funding from the state and things of that sort. So some of the things that for me that I see, and and it affects a lot of school districts around here too as well, is just the, the ability to have access to those specific platforms and especially specific platforms that can help you be successful and help the students be successful, I should say, in preparing mm-hmm. them for not just the state testing, but I mean, just for life in general, they have access to the tools, they have access to the tech and so on. And I think what happens is that right now we see a lot of companies that'll come out and, hey, guys, like this is what we'll offer. We'll offer a pilot for your district for $2,000. And then so, yeah, for $2,000, give us this and everybody has free access. And then all of a sudden it's like teachers are hooked. Students are hooked. You're getting data. You're seeing that this works. And then all of a sudden the following year or getting ready for the next year, it's like, bam. You know, here comes this huge invoice that you didn't expect. Right. And now as an administrator, you know, at that level, now you have to think it's like, oh, like we can't afford that. So what what's our next choice? What do we have next? And now you've got to deal with educators like, hey, this is what we wanted. I thought right. this is what we had. Can we figure it out? And then all of a sudden the funding isn't there. So those are some of the things that as much as the conversations that I've had on the podcast mention equity and mention access, Mm -hmm. it's not happening because the funds we're we're not all we're all built different as as far as districts are concerned. And I think that there's very, you know, there's some ed tech companies that take that into consideration and can work with you and help. But even then, it's still very, very pricey for a lot of districts, too, as well. So those are some of the things that I see there now on the on the upside, Kevin, I mean, we're living we're living in an amazing time where 
even the free stuff or the freemiums that we call are doing some amazing things. And, right. and again, a lot of ed tech companies have the right things in mind. They're setting up, you know, obviously with AI this past year has mm -hmm. been the biggest thing. And I have seen some mind blowing things that can really help not only our educators, you know, may facilitate a lot of that other work that they do, the creative process. One of the things that to me, I feel that I get excited about is now the teachers get to actually be creative mm -hmm. and work on that. And then students can also be creative. And so the tools now will allow you to do the learning you need to, to yeah. obviously learn the concepts that need to be understood and, and, and prepare you for the state testing. But at the same time, through these same apps, the students can also be very creative. And that's one of the things right now that I'm seeing that this is really exciting. Sure. It's an exciting time and it's only going to get better where the students are going to be able to have and dive in deeper the opportunities to get those learning experiences that I call, well, I just call them extra special in the sense that it's almost something that is internalized and becomes part of you that right. as you continue from grade to grade, right. you can continue to pull from that to add that next layer and that next layer that hopefully by the time they are college ready, they're really ready to improvise, adapt and overcome in any which way, shape or form through any kind of device and through any kind of platform that they'll be able to, you know, handle any tasks. So like I said, that that's yep. my kind of like the little downside, but then the upside is the return on instruction yep. and return on investment is definitely going to be great too as well. I love that. And, and I love that you're focusing on learning that is purposeful, mm -hmm. meaningful, right? Um, it makes me think of the John Dewey quote that school is not just preparation for life. School is life. And when you teach using technology tools in the manner that you just described, you're making school life. You're living it every day. And let's face it, you know, I'm the first to attest to, we don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. So if we're getting ready for fifth grade or middle school or high school or college or whatever it is, the career, we we don't, we do wanna get ready for those things, but they're not the promise even of tomorrow. So we want to enjoy the learning every day, have some level of, of enjoyment in that process. And that's what I heard you say technology helps to facilitate even some of these freebies or freemiums that are mm -hmm. um, that are available. So I love that. And um, I'm wondering too, uh, what are some of the other opportunities that you see for um, educators and students that, that with technology, whether it's free technology or technology they pay for, that um, what are some of the opportunities that that could afford for them in learning beyond what you just shared? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just having the skills, too, that are very important that maybe we should mention, too, is the digital citizenship skills also that are very important, not only for teachers, but also for the students as well, you know, and the digital literacy aspect of it. Like you said, it's part of life. I mean, I, I know that we do it, but we do it without thinking it. And But sometimes there has to be a little bit more of a focus on that, that now that we have so much technology, we definitely need to focus on those areas to also help our students most because again, they can navigate through the apps, they can navigate and create, but it's that next layer of protection for them, mm. that digital citizenship component that I feel is important because of their digital footprint. You know, what is it that they're putting out there? And also just kind of helping them 
and think of this entrepreneurial spirit too as well where hey like i'm a brand like i right. am this and what is it that i am ministering to people mm -hmm. what is it that i'm representing and what is it that i'm putting out there and and so they know that that component is also very equally important, especially once they start applying to universities or applying to jobs. So for me, it's also that greater focus on those things that sometimes, you know, we get so excited with the tech and the things that they can do, but then we also need to talk about those and have those difficult conversations too as well. So for me also is, I think with as much tech as we have, I'm gonna throw this in there that mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody mentions, but. I think we should be doing a better job at communicating with parents too as well. Uh, we, yeah. For me, it's we talk about learning community and usually when we talk learning community, it's teachers, students, administrators, but wait a minute, the parents, I mean, if it wasn't for the parents, we wouldn't have the students that come into our schools right. to have the jobs and, and be able to teach and so on. So being able to have that communication and also give them opportunities to come into the campuses to have you know regular meetings like what are my students covering what you know what does the star say and i know with our district we started that a year ago and we have gotten some outstanding responses from parents coming in and we'll talk to them about what they should or what the students should be seeing in class um, how to practice those things, what the state demands. And then they start getting the information of like, oh my goodness, so it's not just an ABC test anymore. No, like now the students have to construct, the students will have to answer multiple part questions, not multiple choice, right. multiple part questions. And so I feel that having more more of an open, I guess, campus to the parents and make it more welcoming. I mean, we need to work together as a team. I mean, if we, yeah, supporting parents here at our schools, and then they can go ahead and support us as educators at home too. And we're working together for that common goal of, you know, creating that wonderful learning experience and environment, both for a student and for a parent as well. Uh, you know, what you're describing, it, it takes a certain level of vision. So you have to first have that vision but I'm also thinking about planning. Um, obviously, I work for a company that that's part of our focus is on continuous improvement, improvement planning and so forth. Uh, and so when you're talking about the inclusion of ed tech in classrooms and in schools, is it being done in an intentional, purposeful, planned way with some you know, desired outcomes, goals, strategies and so forth? So. Um, speak just a little bit about how ed tech, um, you know, it, it, I, I know we talked about the experimental side of it, but but how important is the planning to an effective use and impact of ed tech? Yeah, well, obviously for a lot of districts and after COVID, it's definitely been something that has been very important. And sometimes, yeah, I guess it might be overlooked briefly, maybe some people as, and so I, I'm going to, kind of bring it down or break it down to the way Please. that we do things for us <clears throat> obviously we have our top tier we have our cto we have our technology department so they're the ones that worry about the infrastructure but there has to be 
a great level of communication, not just with CTOs, but within curriculum departments too as well. So I think the planning at the top level has to include not just the CTO counting how many students there are and making sure that every student has a device, but also with the curriculum department stating, okay, what is our curriculum state? How are we going to use this? Do we really need to have a device for every student or mm -hmm. is it okay for us to have, you know, just a, either a cart or, a, you know, or computer on wheels within our classroom just so students can come in and rotate? Do they need to take them home? Do they not need to take them home? Because then right. you can also need to think about depreciation. You need to think about, you know, return on investment. And sometimes what will happen is we see Chromebooks <clears throat> and we can treat them as kind of like, uh, you know, uh, what is it like the books that we get that are paperback, um, you know, they're kind of like you, you reuse them, right. you know, you use them five years, you get some new ones and then that's it. You know, it's, it's a cons consumer device. Yeah. It's just, you know, for consumption, but, yeah. but they do cost a lot of money and yeah. it costs a lot of time to, to manage them. So it's very important that you're intentional with what you're purchasing because as much money as the state can give you, sometimes we think, yes, we're going to just buy all new devices for everybody. But it's important that we also work together and communicate what is the common goal and seeing as long as, you know, we have a device for every student, you know, and they have access at school and they have internet at school, now we can go ahead and take care of business and make sure that everything gets taken care of at that level. So that level of planning, like I said, is very important. And for our district, I must commend them that they do a great job at making sure that they audit all the schools and making sure that they check that all the devices are there, that devices that need some replacement are replaced. And so every year, and I'm going to throw this out there, we do mm -hmm. use the platform that you work for, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for planning. Yep. So every year, you know, what we put in there is like a 20% replacement. Sure. So as years go by, everything that's like five years and older will kind of start getting replaced. Now, now with the new tech that we have, it may be maybe a little bit longer that our investment will last. So then we can allocate funds to maybe enhance either computer labs or for those courses that really require some of that horsepower that, you know, either Mac, uh, you know, Macs have or gaming devices have in order for in order for production. But like I said, it, it depends from district to district. And so but again, the communication needs to be there, curriculum and technology, I think, have to really work together to make sure that you've got both parts working and they're all moving forward in that ship. And, uh, you know, again, making the experience for the student a lot better. Well, so you've um, you know, supported the importance of planning, but especially that planning be an inclusive process, that people are included in that process to make sure that uh, all the stakeholders involved really including the parents as you're talking about bringing the parents mm -hmm. in i imagine there are times when you include the parents in this planning process as well well um fonz we're coming to the close of of our time for this podcast but i know we're going to have to do like a part b or c or d or whatever but uh to round things up for today and it's been an amazing conversation with you my friend i i would like to ask you for the, to share the final word is there anything else that you're just thinking with regards to this topic or just anything in general that you'd like to share with our listening and or viewing audience here? 
Yeah, absolutely. For myself, <clears throat> really lately, I've just been thinking a lot about how I've had to change my practice over time, you know, m kind of maturing, I guess, in my position where that same excitement, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm still excited to go to mm -hmm. conferences and to learn all the things. But to be honest with you, I, and I'm kind of even shocking myself because sure. I was like, what's going on? Like, I'm kind of thinking <laughs> different is really, again, just trying not to overwhelm my teachers and, and really working on that human element and always making sure that that's first, you know, like we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. that has been the biggest lesson this year where it's more of how are you feeling? Are you feeling comfortable? Are you overwhelmed? Well, then let's work on what we have mm -hmm. and not necessarily add anything else to the plate, but let's enhance what we're doing and work together to just use what you feel comfortable with instead of trying to throw something else on them, another platform, something else that they need to learn. So it's really been like on my mind, just how can we really help our teachers streamline their workflows? And so that's been my focus this year. And I think it's worked really well that I've had that support from the district office and saying like, we're going to just standardize on, these are going to be our main school apps and it's really four of them. And then everything else will be is a supplement to maybe, you know, students that may need additional supports and so on. But having that consistency mm -hmm. has really also helped teachers dive in deeper to the apps and really get to know the apps rather than just say, eh, I don't like this. I'm just going to hop over to this other one. So for me, that's really what I've been thinking about is just how else can we share that message to other people in my position or just other educators that it's okay to keep it simple and streamlined yep. and it's okay to not have to use 20 apps for one lesson. One can do for the whole year, two or three, right? and you're all set, you know? Well, I love it. That is a great note on which to end. Keep it simple, streamlined. Uh, I'm going to be just thinking about that for a while. And thank you so much for your gift of time today, Fonz. Uh, you're a tremendous friend and a great inspiration and a gifted educator. So thank you so much for uh, for joining me today on Just Think. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor and a pleasure to now be the one on the receiving end of questions from a former guest, but most importantly, being on the receiving end of questions from a great friend. So thank you so much, Kevin. Take care.